0: You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SAS professionals that are curious about how other successful SAS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
1: Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Morten
0: Klank, the CEO at BizBrains.
2: You will always, when you're new and you come from the outside with new eyes on things, there will always be things that is obvious for you to change. But be sure that you're not just changing things because you can change things, but because they actually matter and they push the company to a better place.
0: Hello there and welcome back to the Sass Nordic podcast. We hope that you are having a great day and thank you for spending some of that with us today. And Daniel, now it's
1: getting close. It's getting really close. It's just a few days away from Sassiest. Yeah, I, I think my body's telling me now, like, you know, it's it's showtime, a little bit stress time. Yeah, are you really gonna do this every year? Yeah, <laughs> I caught a little bit of a cold, Yeah. but certainly nothing that stops me. It sounds worse than it is. Yeah,
0: and it's amazing. It's gonna be a great. Sas party down in Malmö and uh, if you haven't got the ticket there might be a few left but now it's you know it's really close to the event Yeah. but uh, we have two or three days of a lot of great sessions uh, a lot of networking opportunities fun side events a great party and everything so uh, yeah can't wait it will be a blast absolutely and now we are going to talk to a guy that is quite early in his CEO journey at the new B2B SaaS company, and let's hear about how that process has been for him getting started and his first months there. Today, we are really happy to have Morten Klank, the CEO at BizBrains, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Morten. Happy to have you here.
2: Uh, thank you very much. I'm I'm so happy to uh, to have this opportunity. Fantastic, Martin. It's great to have you here.
1: Where are you dialing in from today? It's like looks really sunny on your end.
2: Yeah, it is actually very sunny. I'm uh, but but I'm I'm just in Aarhus uh, in Denmark. Um, so so nothing exotic. Unfortunately, <laughs> for some people, Aarhus might be exotic. Yeah, it might be, but you know, it's always when you live here, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Thomas and I, we, we live in the Southern parts of Sweden. And uh, when we had real jobs, we represented a company that had a headquarter in this region. And every time we had to take a client meeting in Aarhus, it felt like a trip to the other side of the planet. As for some reason, it felt like it was easier to go
2: to Southern Europe. <laughs> then to Aarhus. Yeah, yeah, but it is, this is uh, the infrastructure to Aarhus isn't, uh, isn't as Copenhagen or something else. Uh, no. I, I always, uh, I always envy that.
1: What's that little airport called over there uh, when you
2: fly into the Lego, Billund? Yeah, Billund Airport, yeah. 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 It's an hour's drive away and that's, that's also very well connected, but uh, it's still not Copenhagen, right? No. <laughs> yeah. So Morten, what can you tell us about yourself? Who are you? Yeah. So um, yeah, the the short version. I'm uh, I'm a 48 year old man. I've been working in IT since uh, since forever. Um, I recently joined Bizbrains uh, as uh, hired CEO uh, four months ago. Um, my previous history has been I've. Actually, I was reflecting about it uh, uh, the other day, and actually, I started my first company when I was 13.
1: Wow. Wow. What
2: did that company do? <laughs> yeah, so, so that was doing a mobile discotheque, right? What? Um, I think every boy's dream. Um, yeah, and I'm still into electronic music. And
1: uh, m- Maybe I don't understand, but uh, what is a mobile discotheque? Does that mean like
2: people hired you and you were a DJ and you brought your equipment? or Exactly. Cool, but I think so. Um, at some point, I also had to have a real career, right? <laughs> um, and then, then I've always been fascinated by uh, by IT, and I have uh, I've founded a couple of um, quite successful uh, startups here in Denmark within um, hosting and telco and software. And for the last six eight years, um, I've been working on with. Transformation management, uh, mostly for well-established companies that has been a private equity owned. And
0: now you're four months in working with Bisbrain here as a CEO. So what can you tell us about Bisbrain? What do you guys do?
2: Yeah, so um, Bisbrains is um, it's actually a twelve-year-old company. Um, originally founded as a consultancy company within. Um, Data integrations, um, mostly around the Microsoft product called BizTalk, hence the name BizPrints. Um, three years ago, the the company decided to to, to pivot uh, because uh, they have uh, the founders had built an, uh, a quite extensive um, integration platform application, uh, and they actually uh, saw that there was an opportunity to become more of a SaaS company or or put the the application first and the consultancy second. Uh, So so over the last three years, they have pivoted the company and uh, today we're a software as a service company uh, by heart, um, doing business to business integration for, I would say, Wide variety of companies, but but uh, focusing mainly on large enterprises. Do companies still work with BizTalk? Yeah, so BizTalk is uh, is end of life soon. So so we have redeveloped our own application that replaces BizTalk and is is uh, cloud native and and is a stepping stone from for the companies that runs on on BizTalk or on other. Integration platforms like SAP PI or something to to migrate to our platform.
0: Who's your customer? Who's your ideal customer?
2: Yeah, so so we have um, we have actually more than one product in the product line. So so, business to business integrations is a kind of an ecosystem where you, in one end, have some some really large companies. It could be retail chains like Co-op, right? Um, and in the other end, you have smaller uh, suppliers that co-op needs to trade with. And in order to do trade with co-op, you need to do electronic ordering, electronic invoicing and stuff like that. So, so we actually facilitate both end of the specter. But our ideal customer focus is on a large enterprise customer, probably with 500 plus employees, um a revenue of more than 500 million euros uh, okay. so so quite sizable companies and 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 we do also have that's also reflected in our customer base where we have like 20% of the top 100 companies in Denmark
0: all right. So, and how do you find these customers? What's your sales motion?
2: Yeah. So, I would love to say that it was inbound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? It wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, it is a very traditional uh, sales. Um, um, I would I would say uh, going more and more in the direction of account based marketing. Uh, but it is it is outreach. It's uh, utilizing network. Um, we're we're. Um, strategic ISV for Microsoft, for example, that helps us um, identify targets as well. Okay, and maybe I'm stupid
1: question, but you know, simple sales guy here asking the question, like once I buy the platform, you mentioned that obviously you had a service arm, but is it also that partners or customers can get
2: this up and running without your intervention? Yeah, so 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 getting the platform up and running is is quite easy. It, that's not tricky. That's uh, that's an automated task. Takes four minutes uh, for even a large uh, company. But then you have a platform. What adds the value is the integrations that you build on top of the, the platform.
1: Okay, let me rephrase the question. After the four minutes, yeah, <laughs> to build the integrations yeah. to, to to leverage the power of the platform, hmm. is that dependent on you and your staff? or is the customer in control of this
2: with or without some of their partners? Yeah, so, and that solely depends on the size of the customer, right? Because if the customer has has an integration department and an integration team, they can do this themselves. Right. Uh, and that's where the, 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 the focus on the ICP is relevant because the large enterprises, they do have teams that works on integrations. But the smaller the companies become, the less people they have working on this and then they would need partners or us to help them with this. But of course, we we also have a lot of tools uh, out of the box so that they can just enable and then they would be up and running with third-party integrations. Right. So it's a combination of, of both. Yeah, what's the skill set required to make these integrations and la, 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 leverage this? Like, do you have to be an engineer? Yeah, you have to be a developer. Yeah. Uh, so so there is kind of... In, in an integration, and th- that was one of the things that really uh, caught my attention with this company because uh, I actually, I was working for another company uh, and we were looking for an alternative integration platform and then we came across uh, BizBrains. Okay. Um, and, and so BizBrains has another view on integrations where an integration has a lifespan or a lifetime which might be five or 10 years. Um, and compared to a lot of our competitors, they focus on the actual development task around an integration, so uh, for the tool, for the developer. but and, and we also have that, but we're much more focused on the, the full lifetime of the integration because when you have developed an integration, it has to run for a certain amount of time. And, and it's actually in this period of time that the most challenge Arises because then something goes wrong in the integration, data is missing, or the partner that you're integrating with changes their uh, infrastructure, so suddenly the integration breaks. And and we've taken that and all that uh, I would say daily operations daily support with maybe we have we've pushed it to line of business in the in the organizations at the customers. So it's not an IT task to keep integrations running. It's more a support task. Okay.
0: So, what can you tell us about the size of your operation? Just so we can put your company in perspective. What um, ARR do you have? How many customers and
2: employees? Yeah. So, um, so I touched a little bit upon the, on the amount of customers. Right. So, so we have uh, in total, we have more than five hundred customers. Um, but, but again, it 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 spreads across our four applications um, and within the large enterprise uh, product, we have 60 customers only, um, but, but still 60 quite significant customers. And then gradually we get more and more customers. So the, the majority of the customers, but not cr- not uh, revenue-wise is of course on the smallest application. Yeah. Um, and and the, in total revenue, um, or annual recurring revenue, we do um, close to 9 million. Is that 9 million euros or? Yeah, sorry, in in total revenue, we do close to 9 million euros, and in ARR, we do close to 5 million. All right. um, Growing quite nicely. Um, Last year, we grew 77% on ARR, and uh, this year, we're growing north of 50. And and is the uh, service revenue and the software revenue, so to
1: say, are, are they continue to follow each other, or do you see that the service
2: revenue will be a smaller portion down the road? So, so the we already now see that the service revenue is kind of stable, uh, so that we're growing basically from the from the subscriptions. Okay. How many are you on your team? Yeah. So we're around sixty-five at the moment. Okay. And what markets do you actively sell to? Yeah, so so that's uh, that was actually why I was brought on board because uh, currently we are only in Denmark. Okay. Uh, and so the, we have a very strong position on the Danish market, um, but um, the owners and the founders had a had a, a wish to go abroad, and that was the main reason why I was uh, brought uh, to the team. Okay. And. Um, yeah, we already started, so we are right now onboarding our first uh, first Dutch customer, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, quite proud one of the largest uh, container rental companies in the world. i was like, I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and and how, how's your operation funded? Uh, yeah, so so majority of the company is self-funded. Um, the um, when when the founders decided to do the, the kind of the pivot on the on the company, um, they brought up uh, in in external investor uh, with thirty five percent of the company they own. Um, okay, well, that was like three years All All right. Okay. And how much do you own? Um, I'm not gonna disclose that. No,
0: that's fine. <laughs> the question is free.
2: Uh, you thought you
1: thought about it for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So
0: uh, back back to um, you being CEO here for for uh, th- like four months, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're gonna name this episode something in the, the direction the three-month diary of a new appointed CEO so let's start from the beginning why were you hired you, you said about internationalization but you know what other conversations did you have during the um, recruitment process about why they wanted to hire you
2: oh yeah so so yeah first of all the recruitment process was actually pretty long yeah take <laughs> us through it yeah uh, it, it was uh it was like uh, what was it three, four months? Um, I think I had five or six interviews. Um, and who, who did you meet then? Like, like. Yeah, so first of all, it was, of course, an external recruiter. Right. Um, which was like the first meet and greet. Uh, and, and then I met um, the, the former CEO. Uh, he's still in the company. Uh, he was one of the founder. Um, and um, the, um, the director from the VC. Okay. And then, uh, you know, next interview was the, the sales manager and then the chairman and the CTO and yeah, so on. And then finally, it was, um, it was a uh, kind of united interview with, I don't know, 10 people or something uh, where I had to uh, present a go-to-market plan for the company.
1: Okay. And how much input did you get from the company what did you ask for in order for you to feel like I'm equipped enough to present a go-to-market plan?
2: Yeah so um, first of all I have taken this journey before with uh, another company uh, that I was part of some years ago uh, so going internationally uh, I kind of know the the thrill to go through right uh, so so um, and I think that's more or less the same exercise from company to company when when you do this, um, and especially when you're when you are dependent on an ecosystem and partners. Um, but of course, financial numbers, insights into customers, um, understanding the different stakeholders, especially within the company and the, the dynamics in the board and between the owners and the VC, because. That is not always a happy... Uh, so not all marriages are happy, right? No. Uh, but so so you don't want to end, go into a relationship where things are not uh, great and things are not aligned and they're not on the same path.
1: Yeah, but how do you find that out? Like, what is the warning sign? It's not like they say, like we're hiring a new CEO because we can't agree.
2: No, so it's it's trying to figure out if their ambitions are aligned, yeah. um, if their expectations, uh, if their view on costs and uh, uh, cash flow are similar, uh, because I think that that is one of the definitely a warning sign because you know uh, as a founder you can you can always have that oh we need to go higher and faster and and the vc says yeah yeah but we also need to earn money right right especially nowadays Uh, maybe five years ago it wasn't like that but but today there's a high focus on on uh, cash flow positive okay did you
1: also ask to meet with some customers or to get it to get in front and speak to customers also maybe some of the employees beyond the founders and the cto and so on
2: actually actually i i didn't do that um and and so this is not the first time that i've been hired as a ceo and i've actually never talked to other employees uh in the process uh and and i've asked a couple of times but uh the companies are all are, are not very willing to to let you that close to the company mm. i did have the interviews in the company. And and when you meet, the when you go to the office, you kind of get a feeling of what's the vibe at the office. Is this is a nice place to be. Um, mm. Is it a worn down company? Stuff like that.
1: Right. Because what I'm thinking is that, you know, you were hired, you know, in theory, it started with like, they want to expand internationally. And, and two key roles. I don't know what functions that they had in place there, but, you know, it's easy to think like, okay, I want to speak to, the VP of Sales to the VP of Marketing because those two are going to be incremental in this exercise. I want to make sure that they have what it takes because without them, you're
2: going to have to rebuild. Yeah, so so the head of sales was one of the is one of the founders. Okay. Uh, so so I had a, had a good conversation with him. I actually think I had a three hours uh, interview. We we scheduled one hour and we were just talking and, and there was an extremely good chemistry. Gotcha.
0: Then one day you get into the office you're the new CEO yeah <laughs> how was that for you your first day
2: yeah so so I would actually go to the second day because okay. that was that was a board meeting <laughs>
0: right? what happens the first day uh, now it becomes even more interesting
2: now so the first day, nothing nothing exciting really happens you get your your PC and you sit down and and try to get on all the systems right um, okay. uh, and and so so in this particular case uh, the second day was quite interesting because that was that was the first board meeting and i was just sitting listening in and and uh, and then you really see the dynamics in the board uh, and and that was actually a very pleasant surprise Mm. Uh, very very good uh, chemistry in the board and and uh, like really laid back and 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 easy uh, atmosphere that was really really nice um and then, of course, the the, the first period is, is, um, is always around digging into um, the numbers, uh, getting to understand the dynamics, and getting to, to understand the different uh, people, uh, especially on the management level. Mm. Um, why are we doing as we're doing? What are we doing? So uh, why are we doing this kind of marketing? Getting the getting the metrics uh what's our customer acquisition cost uh, how much campaigns have we been doing so so like literally the first i would say month is just focused around numbers to understand the business yeah and that is for for you to understand
1: the business right they already hopefully know the business how how do they feel that, that there's a new guy and now instead of me in simple terms selling here i got to prepare all these things for him to understand what the heck's going on
2: and so, so i think so so everybody uh, i was i was accepted like really really good uh, i felt like from day one i felt like i had always been here and and i think after a month i was like okay i feel like i've been here forever right um and and everybody was super open and and uh, and shared all the knowledge that they had and everything i ask for but also the company is in a good shape mm. and i think that's that's a differentiator from some of the other places where i have been hired to do a turnaround of a company that is not in a good shape because then then it, there's completely different dynamics right uh, but but here it has been it it has been a it has been quite easy to to get aligned with everybody. Of course, it's difficult to know, learn 65 new people's faces and names, right?
0: Yeah. So so we hear here clearly that it was a good experience for you coming in, but did your expectations match the reality, would you say, or any surprises?
2: There is, I think there's always surprises. And I think uh, not intentionally, um, you always get painted another picture and i think it goes in any job interview situation because the company is also trying to sell that company to the one they want to hire yeah um so so of course when you when you dig down into the numbers you always find out why are these numbers as they are and Maybe there were some things that should have been executed upon, where, which wasn't executed upon, and, and so we I definitely here. Um, I saw that, that we had we have one one part of our business that is doing really really great, and we had another part have another part of our business which is, I would say, lagging behind um, uh, on the on the revenue numbers uh, and. and would it have had changed anything if I knew that not really because uh, i I think it's um it's not in a situation where we are are uh, have problems so if if it were were like that um yeah then then it would definitely have been been something different I have tried joining a company where i um uh t- two weeks into the company had to inform the, the board that hey we can't uh, we can't fulfill our obligations towards the bank in three months <laughs> uh, that, that was I would that's a completely other situation right
1: yeah because I think it's interesting like you know when you identified for example in this case that you know one of the departments or business units is doing really well the other one there's some room for improvement like were they aware of this or do you like say hold on and call for a meeting and say like just so you guys know i've identified that we have maybe a scenario here that's not as mature as we thought i'm gonna have to spend a little bit more time on that yeah so so so
2: that is actually what has happened right yeah uh so so because the the focus was uh, go internationally with the company focus on the partner partner acquisition and and custom acquisition and and we have had uh, we have been forced to to look at the other business unit and and uh, figure out how we are gonna I wouldn't say reshape it but how do we get it to a a better state than where it is today right Uh, because at the end of the day if you have something that is doing really good and you have something that is not doing as good you need to either get rid of it or get it to perform. Right. Because otherwise it's dragging down the the, uh, performing part of the company. Yeah. uh, You put your focus on the wrong things basically. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My News Desk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. MyNewsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit MyNewsdesk.com to start your free trial.
1: Uh, we have both worked for companies and with companies where there's been some transaction on the CEO side. And I think it feels like, you know a new ceo is in 99 out of 100 percent or 99 out of 100 times is hired to make something different Mm. Uh, unless at one time the ceo needs to retire and you just need to continue on that legacy but when do you make it yours so to say when are you starting to implement your firm belief and the changes
2: that you need to be done according to you i think after probably the first month you're beginning to to tweak things here and there and and i definitely um i know that people are saying that a lot of things is is changing at the moment right and uh, uh, the pace has been increased in the company after i have joined um and and i have i'm a firm believer of of course you shouldn't change things just to to change them but i do believe that you should always challenge status quo. You should always look for improvements um, in in any aspect of the company. And um, and I think execution speed is is a key to this. So so I would say the first month very much about understanding the company, getting respect for what has been built here because the the the, the founders and the the team here has been some, built something truly unique. Right. Don't jeopardize that in the effort of changing things. Where we're doing as we're doing just because that is how we have always been doing the things. Because there's always a part of that. Uh, and then look at those things and say, okay, could we tweak this a little bit? Could we um, could we spend our marketing money in another way? Could we restructure our support uh, metrics or the way we deal with customer success um, in in order to to improve that and get um, more speaking time with the customers? Could we a, a very very hands on thing that the, the we have a. We actually have a uh, studio to record really awesome uh, videos here. Okay. Um, but it was rarely used. And, and that was one of the things. And, and actually, that was one of the things that a lot of customers were, How couldn't you do the, the, the webinars that you used to do? And so, so that was a very easy fix, right? To just, okay, we're just going to structure it. Like every month, we do a webinar with a theme. And then we build all our marketing around that theme. So so that was a fairly easy thing to change with a huge impact but but it didn't really impact anything in the company except that now we have some more happy customers.
1: Yep. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense. I just I'm a little bit unrelated but still related. You know, you come in and you still have to do the main things but the focus changes a little bit. Like is there something that defines your KPI saying like within the first three months more than we expect this from you in order to say this feels good we're moving in the right direction and what is that because I'm asking from a perspective like you know as a VP of sales for example usually they say like okay the, the revenue needs to move in this direction and maybe the first months you'll get some draw because you can't affect so much and so on but after that it's very you know clear and cut it, you can measure
2: I don't know for for a CEO maybe it's equally clear cut Yeah. So, so it is equally. So, so my, uh, uh, my performance bonus is tightly connected to the company's performance. Right. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and then, uh, I think the main reason why, why I was brought aboard was the globalization or global expansion of the company. So, so one of the, one of the key expectations was that three months in, I had to deliver a, Executionable go to market plan for our international expansion on how do we get onboarded with the strategic partners that we want to onboard with and how do we actually conquer, first of all, the Dutch market. That was, that was a very clear uh, requirement.
0: So you mentioned here before in the interview process, you met the previous CEO, which was one of the founders. You mentioned the head of sales, also one of the founders. So what's the situation today? Are they still in the company? And how's the sort of the dynamic in between you and the founders?
2: Yeah. So the, the company is founded by three guys. And the, the last of the three founders is the, the CTO. Uh, so, so they still have the, all the founders have quite important roles in the company, um, and that was actually one of the things uh, I talked to, to of course, people in my network before I took this job, and and a lot of people actually recommended me not to take this uh, job because of the dynamics with the founders still in the in the company.
1: You are a courageous man because we've heard that uh, before as well.
2: Yeah, and and I think. In the interview process, especially with Nikolai, who was the the CEO, um, it was very important for me to understand whether or not him stepping aside and taking responsibility of the product was his own decision or a VC decision. Um, Because that makes a tremendous difference for me. And, And for him, it was like, hey, I'm a techie guy. I have no idea how to go to market internationally. Um, I we need help here. we we're, we're, and and he was very honest that they were there were a lot of things that they were good at, but international go to market wasn't one of them. Right. And and again, I have tremendous respect for what they have been been doing. And and I'm not trying to to change a lot of those things. I'm not trying to change the culture here because we have an amazing culture in the company. But I'm I'm actually trying to be kind of um, just the support that makes the founders uh, excel on on what they're good at, and then I bring in my knowledge uh, alongside and my network uh, alongside uh, to to support the the, the growth.
0: Okay. So this is not your first rodeo. You mentioned you have been a CEO uh, many times before. What would be your advice to a newly appointed CEO or someone that is going into this process, uh, would you say? Uh,
2: first of all, don't be too eager to change things. Don't, don't push too, too hard or too fast because then you will lose the respect of the entire company. You will always, when you're new and you come from the outside with new eyes on things, you, there will always be things that is obvious for you to change. But be sure that you're not just changing things because you can change things, but be sure to change things because they actually matter and they push the company to a better place. Okay.
1: What if we would flip that question? Like what would be your advice to uh, founders and boards and so on? that are looking to hire a new CEO? Yeah,
2: um, first of all, don't expect miracles. Uh, uh, and and be aware that just because there's a new person at the end of the table, that, that doesn't uh, from day one mean that you should let go of all your duties and all your responsibilities because uh, that was one of our, my conversations with the founders here because they were like, "Okay, should we just don't care now and you fix ever fix the things?" <laughs> and you, you, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." So keep on doing the 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 weekly uh, for Nikolai for him. Keep on doing the the weekly follow up with the finance department, and I'm tagging along. I basic, was basically just for the first month tagging along on whatever he was doing, whatever the two other founders were doing. To, to, and that was a part of the knowledge transfer process, right? Um, and and now they're not part of these things anymore. Yeah, That so does take some time to get acquainted with a new company. Gotcha, so don't expect miracles, I like that.
0: Well, four months in, if we look a few years in the future here, what, what, what is in the future for Beast Brains? What do you say
2: definitely on the financial side I think um, 10 million euros in uh, ARR is not two years out uh, I think uh, the we are we're moving quite fast uh, we have um, successfully uh, been appointed as strategic V for Microsoft and that's gonna make a huge difference for us uh, and we are getting um, we're getting good relationship with, I would say, strategic uh, players in the B2B integration field on international level. So that's going to definitely push us uh, further, faster than also what I would have expected possible four months ago. Okay. Gotcha.
0: And um, I mean, we have um, the SAS community listening in here uh, today. And you have an opportunity to make a shout out. Is there anything particular that you are looking for or want help with um, right now?
2: Um, well, I can. We can always. I can always use help. Uh, I think uh, the whole community that you have, the the support there, uh, the. The sparring sessions and so on—that is tremendous, tremendous. Up, I—I'm so happy that I've joined this, uh, this, uh, this network. Great, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I was—I'm always—I'm always, I'm always um, very skeptical about. Yeah, you know, you get as especially as as uh, senior senior management, you get like ton of offers to join whatever network, and I've almost always say no, right. And and this is this is one of the first times where I really feel that there's value for money. Wow! So good job. I I I would just say thanks, guys. Well, thank you, thank you for those kind <laughs> words. Like it, it's it's these types of things that
1: uh, keep us energized. You know, hearing that what we do is not just something we think has value, but it actually provides a value in real life to real people.
2: So the funny thing is, actually, I have a couple of uh, a couple of friends also in the SaaS space. Um, uh, one is uh, heading a huge marketing company, and the other one is heading a, a large uh, software development company, and and we so once a year we meet and we uh, go out to to party. And actually, we the last couple of times we talked about okay, so we're spending like ninety percent of the time talking business, and then ten percent of the time talking uh, talking uh, or partying. And maybe we should maybe we should actually expand that. <laughs> and then you guys came along, and I was like, okay, here is actually what we were looking for. Yeah.
1: And we party a little bit as well here.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Malmö thing. Thank God I'm not paying for the for the alcohol, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: looking forward to meet you at Celsius as well. And uh, to, to end off uh, the our conversation today, um, is there anyone that you would like us to put as a guest on the show or any topic that you would be interested to hear more about?
2: There's a person that has made a difference for, for for me in, in my way of, of looking at SaaS companies and the opportunities for SaaS companies. Uh, um, it's a guy called Ulrich Lersko-Smith. He uh, he, um, he founded a company called Willingness to Pay and he, he works with um, pricing strategy for software as a service companies. Um, and I think he would be a huge asset for any Uh, SaaS company to to listen to because he really knows uh, a lot about pricing. And I think most software-as-a-service companies or SaaS companies that I know, they undervalue uh, their products. Um, And so in my previous job, I actually did a uh, repricing strategy and repackaging strategy together with Ulrich and Ulrich. we increased the price more than 300% without losing customers. Wow. So I think uh, that would be a good guy to bring on board to give some tips and tricks.
1: It's funny you men you mentioned this because it's been, uh, when we surveyed the CEO network, like, you know, what are the topics you want us to dig a little bit deeper into? Pricing was one of those things. And at Sassiest here in Malmö, we have a session dedicated to pricing. And it's not about, should you raise pricing? It's about, when do you know that you're not charging the right fee. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, how do
2: you know what the right fee is and how do you implement that change? Yeah, it's a, it's a super difficult thing because you're always afraid of, oh, we are gonna scare all, all our customers away? Everybody's gonna churn, they're not gonna be satisfied and we can't get new customers. Right. In reality, the transition cost for the most customers, they're much higher than the price increase or the repackaging you're you're presenting them to.
1: Exactly. And and what I find interesting in this exercise, you know, and I'm I'm no expert, far from it, but sometimes I feel that people feel like we're charging X, I think we should do another 20%. Mm. But it's a gut feeling, not on anything else.
2: But there is apparently a science to it. Yeah, def- definitely, there is a science. So, so I had the I had the privilege to to read Ulrich is coming out with a, with a book called the 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 pricing roadmap, and it, it's literally a um, like a guide to how do you repackage repri- and reprice your product. You will fail if you just increase the price three hundred percent, and you don't repackage and you don't have your story to support it, right? right because it's all about um it's all about the the storytelling and why are you doing this uh, and why does this bring new value and meaning to the customers exactly
1: excellent we'll have to make sure to catch up with Ulrich at some point Morten, thank you so much for being on the show much appreciated and we're looking forward to seeing you in Malmö thank you guys looking forward as
2: well yeah
1: thank you bye bye now
0: So Daniel, what's your takeaway from uh, from the episode today?
1: It's really interesting. Uh, like obviously, I've never been a CEO, so <laughs> <and> <laughs> obviously, I've never been through the process. So it, it was, you know, the, the interesting to hear and so on, and some of the legwork he does. But I think, and I speak from my own experience, uh, some of the mistakes that I've seen in companies I represented where CEOs are brought in and they're brought in to make a transformation, to make a change, to accelerate something. But the timing issue of when you make this yours and when you push through these changes and so on, it's so critical. Like do it too early. You might not get the buy-in and you'll lose the respect. Like Moten said, do it too late. Well, you're not there to roll your thumbs. So it's about finding that like nice timing, like, how you gradually make this yours or not yours, but run according to the new plan. So I, I thought that was interesting to see. I don't know what the science is and you know how you do it, but don't come in and push too much because then you'll lose people. Yeah. What about you, Thomas?
0: Well, that's a good one. Uh, probably would have taken the same if I got the opportunity to speak first. But
1: uh, I always ask you first. Yeah, that's very, that's very nice of you. Like at some point, I mean, if you want to, we can, we can change the order. No, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, okay, it's fine like okay. okay. But,
0: but but anyway, I, I think it also, you know, it, it seemed to me like when when um, when Mortet started, he made sure to really understand the business and the numbers behind it and so on. So, you know, when he came to the point that, you no, know, we we need to look at this and that, he had a. You had you had a good foundation to stand upon when it came to to the numbers behind it and um, yeah, I, I think that's also important if you want to go in and then make changes of transformation yeah but all right so that was the episode for today and um well, we, we spoke about the Sassiest event uh, in the beginning of the episode. So if you want to try to get a holdable ticket, where do you go?
1: Sassiest2023.com. And, and now it's like really crunch time. I don't know how if and how we have tickets left, but that is where you go to try your luck at this point.
0: Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about SAS Nordic, the networks and everything else, you can head over to sassnordic.com and you will find the information there. So thank you for being with us and see you soon. Take care.